Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here, and I'm super excited. Um, uh, this week, I was, uh, I was riding my bike on the mission field. No, actually, <laughs> I was riding my, I love the mountain bike, and I was out riding. And on the way back, the guy I was riding with, he goes, uh, he goes uh, so what, what's your definition of God? You know, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is cool. You know, I just, I just wasn't anticipating that at all. And so I talk about that. I talked about, uh, you know, God, the Father, God, the Creator, God, you know, my Savior, my Lord, all these different kinds of things. And then he goes, what's this deal about being saved? You know, people talk to me about being saved. And, and I'm like, saved from what? Is what you know, he, he, he likes to tell him. And, and so it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, it set, set me up, you know, so I can just tee off on that, you know, and it was um, a great opportunity to talk about how big God is and how great God is and how there's this huge chasm that exists between us who are, have imperfection and sin and so forth, and, and, and it can't coexist with the creator of the universe, God our Father and everything, and how Jesus came to make a bridge over that chasm and unite us with him and stuff, you know. And uh, it, it was just, a, just an amazing time to share how, uh, how great God is, how big God is, how, because he, he, he was so um, saturated with religion and judgment and exclusion and all these things that he'd heard about religion for so long and so forth, you know. And to try and help him see how much grander, how much greater, how much more gracious God is than, he, than the reputation that he gets from a, a lot of churches and, and a lot of Christians and so forth in our, in our uh, struggle to communicate the bigness and the greatness of God, you know. And so that's what I, I, uh, I wanted to talk about today. And uh, though I'll, I'll probably, uh, I, I just want to apologize for those that I offend today because I probably will. Um, and, uh, and I think deeply and long about this, but then when I get up here, I act like a, 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 a youth pastor. Um, and so I, I apologize for that too. Um, I'm, I, I get excited, um, but I have thought through a lot of these things. And, you know, um, talking about, I, I'm a, for those that, you, that don't know me, and I, uh, I'm an adolescent psychologist, I work with teenagers all the time, so I have to act immature anyway, to, you know, as a part of my job, you know, I'm really good at that part of it, being immature um, with them and everything, but, you know, in, in my work as a psychologist, I'm always, uh, and I don't want to trivialize the, the suffering and the difficulty that 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 the people that I'm working with are experiencing in any kind of way. But the truth of the matter is I'm trying to move them out of these things that they're stuck with as it relates to anxiety, as it relates to depression. And I'm trying to make their world, re help them realize that their world is so much bigger than the thing that they're they're stuck on the, the 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 worry or the fear or the sadness or you know that that has got them 
unable or, or, or struggling with being able to move on with all of the things that are possible for their lives and the fulfillment that they'd experience with relationships and so forth, you know. And, uh, and I realized that's what we're doing all the time in all of us as it comes to what God has planned for our lives. And so when I say I, I, this uh, part two, we, I, I spoke about part one last time I was here where it was um, talking about, uh, you know, exchanging our negative thoughts for, for God's thoughts. And so this is part two, moving from faith to faith. And so it is that first part of, of from faith to faith. Uh, let me read the scripture there first, sorry. sorry. Um, so uh, Romans 1.17, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And the just shall live by faith is a, is a that, that part where I talked about that chasm that exists between man and God and how putting our faith in Jesus walks us across that chasm and connects us with God. And they that are joined in the Lord are one spirit. First Corinthians 6, 19 says that, you know. So that part, you know, is a, is a move, a step of faith where we are connected with God through Jesus. And then from there, our salvation by faith then moves into being spiritual, growing spiritually by faith, and growing and becoming a mature Christian by faith is also a, a, a part of the whole life of being a Christian. So from faith to faith, we move from faith to faith as we grow in our knowledge of the word and our understanding of who God is and recognizing what's happening in us and not allowing our humanness, not allowing our small-mindedness, not allowing the circumstances of this world, the cares of this world, stop us from moving on into being spiritual and being what God wants us to be. God is so much bigger than what our little world is sometimes, and we saw some evidence of that this week, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, the four places in the Bible, it says this, that the just shall live by faith. You know, the just being those who have made it across that chasm, you know, and have been connected with God, have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it says in 2 Corinthians 5. You know, he made us, Jesus made us the righteousness of God in him. Old things are passed away, all things have become new, spiritually speaking. So the just shall live by faith obviously is a significant thing that God wants us to hear, God wants us to know. We can get into a place where we're trying to earn things, Trying to, as a matter of fact, that guy, he said, well, I just kind of figured that when you die, you know, you kind of, you kind of, you know, everybody has this moment where they're like, okay, here's all the good things that you did, and here's all the bad things that you did. How's that, how's that measure out? How's that work out? And everybody that has got a more positive pile than negative pile, I, I guess they make it in. And I'm like, sheesh. Who's, who's calibrating that? Who's judging that? Who's counting that? Who's got the, what makes it good enough? And the fact of the matter is it's not about good and bad. It's about what caused us to be able to cross that chasm because none of us are good enough <laughs> to be perfect and be connected with God. That's not going to work. 
you know. Um, and so we had a nice little chat about that as well. But we as Christians in our humanity, we as people in our humanity, we struggle with the fact that we have this sin nature. We have this ungodliness. We have these things, this sin that we screw up every day, all the time, every day, right? I mean, you know people, right? Maybe not you, but you know people that do that all the time, every day. No, it's like, it's just a part of us. We, we wrestle with being selfish. We wrestle with being lazy. We, we wrestle with, uh, you know, pornography. We wrestle with drugs. We wrestle with all kinds of things that people wrestle with. Christians too, okay? Christians too. So walking and living by faith is, is getting out of that mindset of being stuck on this in nature and onto the goodness and greatness of God. All right. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay. So um, when we screw up, being lazy, being selfish, being whatever, being rude, uh, being hurtful, all those kinds of things, those are the more acceptable Christian kinds of sin. <laughs> um, we, we lose sight of, of living by faith, and we get on, what do we need to do to make up for that? And we get on to, I should pray more, I should read the Bible more, I should... I should uh, I should go to church more. I should serve more. I should do all, do all of these things. And with God, it's always about a matter of the heart. It is tenderizing your heart. It is let's stop, slow down, move into the reality that you got saved by faith. Not, of, not your own works got you saved. And neither will you uh, work to become more spiritual. You have to have that tenderness of heart to move on into maturity. And that's why it's like, it's so important that we recognize our path back to that tenderness and acceptance and love and grace with God is about surrendering and keeping your heart tender and pure. And that's what living by faith is. He's bigger than our uh, own behavior. Okay, let's go to this next verse. Uh, Pastor Trey was talking about, and for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, I apologize that you, you, you have to be uh, under, you have to be in grade seven down to grade four to be able to hear our pastor today. Um, he was out of town all week studying at, 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 he's going to school to get his doctorate in ministry. And so he, that's why I'm here. That's why you're stuck with me. <laughs> anyway, come back so you can see Pastor Trey sometime. Anyway, he was talking about this last week, and, um, and so this first thing here is what we think about ourselves and about God can either hinder or help our faith, and so this is really the, the part that, uh, that I want to talk about, and he talked last week about this quote from A.W. Tozer, and uh, it was kind of that, what I call that suffering for Jesus kind of mindset, oh, we're so frail, we're so broken, we're so, we're so needy, we're so God, we couldn't do anything without you and stuff. And, and uh, Trey brought up this quote. It says, how God thinks, and none of those things are, all of those things I just said are not true. I mean, they are true. We are all of those things, right? But that's not where God wants us to get stuck. We can't do what God wants us to do. We can't be what God wants us to be if that's where we get struck, stuck. Oh, I'm so frail. I'm so needy. I'm so God. I couldn't do any of this without you. And oh, Yeah, all that's true. And I think you know, as I, I learned some things about God being a grandpa. <laughs> Grandpas don't 
sweat the small stuff with their grandkids. That's parents' job. Let them sweat the small stuff. We're just going to show them how much they're loved and how great they are. And look at the stars. Look at the moon. Look how far you can go. You know, and that's how God is. He's got the Holy Spirit working in us to lead us and guide us. He's got the word that's here for us to, to lead us and guide us. And then he relies on us as Christians to also do the work of the ministry as well and stuff, you know. But don't, don't sweat the small stuff. But he wants us not to be focused on the frailness and the brokenness and, oh, God, I need you so much. And, and I'm not ridiculing those. I'm, it is true. That is true. But God wants us to look bigger, look higher, look grander, then all of that, okay? So look how God thinks about this. And this is a life, this scripture here, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, was, was a life verse for me that God spoke to me because um, since I was 20, which is 50 years now, I'm 70, I know I, I act immature, but that's because of my calling as an adolescent psychologist. But, um, but for 50 years, I've, I've really been pursuing being and doing what God wanted me to do with my with my wife, and uh, That by the time I had, um, am I doing anything wrong? <laughs> uh, five of my friends were dead by the time I got out of that drug program. And, and uh, if, anybody, if anybody had reason to be motivated to live for God and be perfect, it was me. And yet I failed him day after day after day after day. And then one time I heard the scripture, and I'd read it many times, but I heard the scripture, and it, and it set me free. And, it, and it's... Uh, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, which is a really dumb thing to say, all right? It's like, imagine if somebody said that to you in person. I know what I'm thinking about you. <laughs> really? Isn't that interesting? And so why would God say that? Because he knows that we project ourselves onto him. And he's saying here, oh, the way you think, that I think about you, that's wrong. That is wrong. I don't have evil thoughts about you. I have thoughts of peace about you. I look at you, Lenore, and I go, this is God. <laughs> look at Lenore. I love that girl. I am so proud of that woman. Jesus, look at our child, Lenore. Isn't she something? Wow. Wow. Mm. You ever think that God just takes a moment to pause on you, Sharon, and just goes, wow, that's our Sharon. She's wonderful. Think about, you know, I look at my grandchildren and I have thoughts of peace about them. That's how God thinks and feels about us. He's not all uptight about the fact that 
I was lazy sometimes. I was selfish sometimes. I'm ADHD all the time, you know. I waste massive amounts of time all the time. He's not, he's not stuck on that. He has stopped a piece about that. And when we know that, we don't sweat the small stuff. We don't sweat the, the, the screw-ups that we do. Now, that's not to say that we become callous. It actually tenderizes our hearts even more. You know, when, when you know you're accepted, when you're loved, and, and, and our daddy's proud of us, we want to make him more proud. We want to do more for them because of gratitude and because of this great feeling that we have. And so it's, imp- it's important that we, we know that about him. He does have a future and a hope, and, uh, and he's not thinking bad about us. But we, so we need to keep our eyes on the prize, not on our hindrances or, in, or our encumbrances, okay? And when I say prize, I don't mean on the, what's he got for us? I mean on just doing what he wants us to do and being free in, in doing that. Okay, let's go on to the next slide. Moving on to maturity, therefore leaving, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, therefore leaving the elementary teaching about, about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God or of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Those, those are the elementary things. <laughs> okay, we get stuck on some really elementary things. How do I fix this? Okay, what do I do? And, and as I said there, I've already mentioned this a little bit already in, my, in speaking. Uh, yes, we do have sin, but it was crucified with Christ, as it says in Galatians chapter 2. So let it lie dead. Let it be dead in our lives. You know, um, it is a part of that. It is a part of who we are, and as long as we keep it crucified, as long as we let it be dead, it doesn't control us and doesn't... Uh, overwhelm us in any kind of way. As it says there, Galatians chapter 3, we're saved by grace through faith, and we become more spiritual by grace through faith. Doubts, shame, guilt do not align with how God thinks about us. He has thoughts of peace about us. Not, he's not sitting up there going, what in the world is wrong with you? What? Hello, I put my spirit in you, and you still act like this. I send my son to die for you, to do all these things, and look at you. I'm so frustrated. That's not how God's acting. So it is, we we recognize that the tenderness of our heart is the key towards, you know, continuing in grace, but then we get on. Lord, let me just repent for wasting time again today. Let me repent for being lazy again today, not having, your fo- not having your purposes as my number one priority. Forgive me, Lord, for that. And let me get on about connecting with you, your love, your grace. Okay? So, when we doubt or dwell on shame, and I say after we've confessed our sin, that's what that means, post-confession up there, our thoughts are not, not aligned with God, Okay? If we're still, after we confess our sin, we're still stuck on the shame and doubt and guilt, our thoughts are not aligned with God. So, let's get them aligned with God. God's world is 
so much more positive, so much bigger than when we get stuck. Now, I was saying that this week we even see how, how much bigger that, that God is. You know, we saw pictures of that this week, and uh, it was on that um, James Webb telescope. Did you all see pictures of that? Whoa, man, you, how, God the creator, he created all this. Let's go to the next slide. This is one of those pictures, and, uh, and um, let me read this here. So this looks like, like a mountain, a, a bunch of mountains, but it is, the, it is a birth of a star that's happening there, that's coming together there. Okay, and then let's go to the next one. All right, so <laughs> this blows my mind, all right? So the, the earth is 93 million miles away from the sun, 93 million miles, all right? The speed of light is 186,000 miles a second, a second, 186. How many people, I've, I've flown from Los Angeles to, uh, to Sydney like 18 times, and I think it's like, it's a 14-hour flight, depending on which way you're going somewhere around there. 14 hours. For a guy with ADHD, 14 hours in a flying tube is like torture. And, and, you're, and it's, you're going and going and going and going and going. You know, it's like when you fly to Japan or you fly to Europe and you get there, and when you're flying to Sydney, you got six more hours in the plane after you get there. It's forever. And it's only 25,000 25, miles around the whole earth, okay? 93 million miles to the sun at 186,000 miles a second. It takes light at 186,000 miles a second. It takes light eight minutes to get to the earth from the sun, all right? That's just one solar system. You know, when you go out into the, into the country, away from the city lights and everything, and you go out and look at the stars, isn't it amazing? Have you done that lately? It's amazing. There's so many stars out there. That's, it, it, it's just overwhelming, and that's where they come up with the name the Milky Way, right? Because there's so many stars, it's, it's, the sky is milky because there's so many stars. It's amazing. You can't see the entire Milky Way. And that's the galaxy that we are in, is the Milky Way. This picture right here is five galaxies, five Milky Ways right there, five of them. And it, it, it's 100,000 100, years to get from one side of the Milky Way to the other side of the Milky Way, which is one galaxy. That's five galaxies. And they used to say there's 170 billion galaxies. 170 billion Milky Ways that we're in. <laughs> That's just... You've got to get your mind moving faster just to be able to try and understand any part of that. But now with the James Webb uh, telescope, they're projecting that there's 200 trillion <laughs> galaxies. 
200 trillion. That's just, I can't understand. You know, a billion is a thousand million. It's 93 million miles to the sun, and a billion is a thousand million. A trillion is a thousand thousand million. That just is just so mind-boggling. And God's the creator of that, all of that. And he knows you, and he knows me, and he knows the intimate details of our lives. Wow, that is, man, that is amazing. You need to stop and chew on that and think about that. He cares about what's going on in your life. He wants to answer your prayers. He has thoughts of peace about you. Man, God is so big. Why are we worried about anything? And I'm not saying bad stuff doesn't happen. It does. But guess what? We have eternal life. We have the healer. We have the redeemer. What's the worst thing that could happen? We could die. And, you know, I turned 70 this year, and I realized, yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm closer to the end than I am at the beginning. You know? Death is, yeah, that could happen. So What? Look at this universe and what God has created. What is God? Man, God is so big. He's so much bigger than the traffic on I-5. So much bigger than, oh my God, six bucks a gallon. Are you kidding me? He's so much bigger than that. Oh my word. All right. Let's go on. Let's, and, then, and, then, and then there's the supernatural. This is all just the natural. There's the supernatural. Do you remember the story about about Elisha, and he was telling, there was this king that was messing with him, and uh, Elisha would find out about what this king was doing, and he'd go into the king of Israel, and he'd go, hey, you know, you probably don't want to go down there, because, you know, they're going to be down there. So they would send him down there, and the king would show up to wipe out the king of Israel, and they're like, hey, what? They're not here, you know, and they said, what's going on? It happened again and again, this first king six, um, happened again and again, and finally this king goes, what the heck? Who's the traitor? Who's, telling, who's ratting us out and telling the, the, uh, the king of Israel what's happening? Because they're, 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 they are messing with us, you know? So they were looking for that, and they said, no, no. It, it's not a traitor. It's, it's, a, it's a man of God. God's telling him what we're doing. So he said, okay, let's go down there and, uh, and take care of this guy. So they go, and they surround Elisha. Elisha has this uh, servant named Gehazi, I think it is, and... Uh, and Gehazi gets up in the morning after all, all these armies come around and surround uh, Elisha and Dothan. And, uh, and they say, yeah. Uh, and he sees all these armies and is like freaking out, right? Oh, my gosh. You know? So I, I did write this down. I didn't, put, I didn't put it on a slide, but I did write this down. 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, he says, Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city, and his servant said to him, this is hopeless, my master. What are we to do? And he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And Gehazi's going, are you, did you, did you get some shrooms, Elisha? Because I'm not seeing what you're seeing. There's armies out there. And there's you and me. 
what are you talking about? And then Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We had, and, and then he prayed and did some stuff to the army, and they had victory. He blinded them and so forth. Anyway, the point is, there's stuff going on in the spiritual realm that as amazing and massive as the, as the natural is, <laughs> there's a spiritual realm as well that we tap in through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, and by faith. And our faith is a living and active thing that we can cause to grow through our connection with his word and with his spirit. So I wanted to talk also about the miracles of Jesus. You know, if you've seen that, the show, uh, The Chosen, which is kind of fun because you can see just like the humanity of, of Christ and yet so many incredible supernatural things that he did. And I'm not going to go through each one of these, but here's, here's a bunch of them. Here's 12 of them uh, in chronological order. He turned the water to wine at the wedding. He healed a, an official son. Let me go through. He healed many sick and oppressed. Um, a miraculous um, catch of fish. He healed a paralytic. He healed a, a withered hand on the Sabbath. And, um, yeah, you know, well, I don't, I don't want to take too much time because we're running out of time. Go to the next slide. Here's 12 more. Okay? He cast a legion of demons into the, the herd of swine. He healed a woman in the, in the crowd, the issue of blood. And here's an example, this, this woman of the issue of blood. Here's an example. Um, all these people were crushing around Jesus because of what he had uh, because of, of what he'd been doing and so forth. They wanted to hang out with him. And this little woman who had spent all that she had, the Bible said, uh, to, to get healed, and she was, she was bleeding all the time and couldn't get healed. And she said, and, and so she pushed in anyway, which was, which was uh, to be out in public like that in that time during, with the uh, uh, Judaic law, she could have been killed for what she was doing. And yet she said, if I can get to Jesus and if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And there, all these people are just smashing in around him and Jesus is, you know, working his way through and so forth. And she got a hold of him and touched, touched his garment and got healed instantly. And he says, Jesus stopped everything and said, hold on, what's happening here? Somebody touched me. And, and and Peter, I imagine it was, I don't remember out of it, it said, hello, Jesus, <laughs> you people here, what do you mean somebody touched me? And he said, no, somebody touched me with a different touch. They touched me with faith, and he looked at her and he said, my daughter, your faith has made you whole. I want to be one of those kind of folks that are, have that tender heart have that confidence in the word of God and who God is and that faith that turns on the power of God to heal, to uh, empower, to communicate, to set free. How do we do that? How do we remain in that place? 
from faith to faith? How do we keep ourselves there? All right, let's go on. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He healed two blind men. He healed a man who was mute. He, he, uh, he healed an invalid in, Beth- in Bethesda. He fed the 5,000, which is actually more like probably 13 or 14,000 because it says 5,000 men, the men and the women and the children. He walked on the water. He healed uh, other people. Let's go on to the next slide. Oh, we're on the last slide. Okay, so hold on. So... Let me flip my paper over. Uh, he healed uh, a man who was born blind. He, yeah. So 30, now look at number 35. Jesus withers the fig tree outside of Beth- Bethany, okay? 35 out of 37 that are recorded. All right, let's go to the uh, next slide. So here's number 35, and, and this is in Mark chapter 11. Now, the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if, it, if perhaps he, he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, he said to it, it the tree, Jesus talking to trees, not to get them to grow, but he's talking to trees, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And that's particularly in the Bible. And his disciples heard it. They heard him say this. Jesus did nothing uh, without a purpose, you know. And that whole thing of what? Why did he do that? What's going on? That's a whole other sermon. And I'm not going to teach that sermon. (laughs) But there is a whole big message about what that's that's about. Um, And it's all good, but uh, we're not going to talk about that. Now, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remember, remembering that Jesus had cursed it, said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. <laughs> Jesus is so awesome, <laughs> you know? It's like, why would that be your response? Peter's like, what? Have faith in God. <laughs> Jesus, the picture you curse is withered up from the roots. Have faith in God. <laughs> Remember, God is so much bigger. He's so much bigger than our little world, and we can rise to that level. And then he says, uh, he says this, and, and well, This scripture is super famous, this 11, Mark 11, 23 and 24, but I'll talk about that in a minute. For assuredly, he said, have faith in God, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I have a friend who, uh, who went to one of those faith churches for a long time, and he got hurt by the leadership there because they got off uh, of, of, the, 
of godly priorities and got greedy and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, and uh, and we all know about the grab it and blab it or blab it and grab it and all name it and claim it and all those kinds of things. And uh, and so he became uh, cynical about that and those people and so forth, you know. And and uh, and I went to a church like that for a long time. Uh, I was there for 12 years, as a matter of fact, and during that 12 years, we saw 22,000 people come to the altar to get saved in 12 years. So in spite of the outcome of the grab it, blab it, and grab it, and name it, and claim it, and all those kinds of things, it was a move of God, and then man got involved and screwed things up, you know. But this... uh, this, these scriptures are at the very base foundation of that blab it and grab it, name it and claim it kind of thing. And man gets involved with human ambitions. Yeah, ugliness shows up. That's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about God's purposes, God's heart, God's plan. And, uh, and this is, this is at those scriptures, and my friend, my friend who, who is that guy I was telling you about, is kind of cynical about those kind of people. He still loves Jesus, loves Jesus, and uh, is, is living right. He, he says, Bob, in spite of all those things, Mark 11, 23 and 24 is still in the Bible. It's still in the Bible. Let's read it again. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I'll tell you this right now. I I think that unless you are believing something that is inspired by God, you are not going to have the faith to blab something into existence. And you're not going to have God-inspired thought of something that you want to have manifested out of greed or out of personal ambition. It's got to be Holy Spirit-inspired in order for it to be connected with faith, okay? And that's, I think, a a super important part of that. But... um, let me find my notes. Okay, so imagine you're there with Jesus. You could do that if you saw the chosen. You're just you're hanging there with Jesus, and he says these things, and, and you're like, wait, let's go to the next slide. So here's some ideas. What would you say? Would you say, Oh Jesus, you're so funny? But really, what, what's the deal with the fig tree? Why'd you do that? And why'd that happen? You know, or, or are you going to go, Jesus, you mean like metaphorical mountains, right? Not like real mountains. Because why would, we, why would I want to send a mountain into the sea? I know these are stupid. This is my youth pastor moment here. Jesus, do you mean like, like us? Or like us when we're with you, right? When we're walking around with you? Or, or do you mean like everyone? I mean, this is outrageous what you said. Come on. Wait. What? So let me ask you guys. And you just turn to your neighbor there. 
If you heard Jesus say this, you're right there and he says that. (laughs) What would be the question you'd want to ask him? What would you want to say to Jesus if you heard him say this and the fig tree's over there dead? Take a moment. We're almost done, but take a moment. And I mean really, actually talk to somebody. Not metaphorically talk, literally talk. All right. What'd you come up with? What'd you say? What, what was your question? How can that be? Yeah. Somebody else. What'd you, what'd you come up with? How, <laughs> yes. How do I have that kind of faith, Jesus? How, how is that possible? What, what, are, what are you really trying to say to us, Lord? What, should, what mountain should we be moving, and how do we, how do we get there? So, um, I know we're out of time. Uh, uh, just a couple minutes here, and then I'll, I'll be done. Um, there are mountains that, that we want to have the faith to be able to move. Mountains of sickness, mountains of poverty, mountains of sin, uh, people saved that we love, people to know Jesus, people to break free from addictions, people to break free from stuff that's in this world, um, the, the amount of hatred that is in our country, you know, the, all of the awfulness that, that is taking place throughout our world, you know, it's like uh, there is stuff that needs to happen. And I know... Um, I know that we, we do pray, and, and we don't see people get healed sometimes. And I think that's sometimes why people don't, we don't talk about scriptures like this sometimes, because we're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, or, we're, or, or we make somebody feel bad, because they prayed for somebody, and they died anyway. And I get that. I mean, I, I live with that, too. I, we had a child that died. And we were in the ministry, and our child still died, you know. But that doesn't change. Our circumstance do not change the truth of the word of God. Those words are true. And I know this, that if we will believe and do our best to live by faith all of the time and follow after God's heart and God's spirit, we will have a lot more chance that our prayer and our faith will come to pass then if we think, ah, you know, you know, God, he's, you know, he's doing his thing. Who knows what the heck he's doing? You know, we'll, we'll see when he shows up and when he doesn't. You know, and I know nobody's going to say that any cavalier, you know, but when you hear stuff like, is it his will to, to heal people? Is it, I don't know, maybe he just wants to teach us something by making us sick and beating us down. No, that's, yeah, you're not going to see much healing in a situation like that, but when you believe Mark 11, 23 and 24, 
there's more potential that God would show up through the power of his grace and our faith like that little woman that touched the hem of his garment. How do we have that kind of faith? So in closing, you know, last, last slide here. Uh, in closing, number one, it's first of all, look for, uh, yeah, come on up, worship team. Uh, looking into the vastness of his creation for inspiration, recognizing how much bigger God is than our, little, than our circumstance that we're struggling with is super important. Number two, looking into the word for the, for the vastness of the spiritual realm. God's, God is the creator of all the natural, and yet there's more going on in the supernatural than in the natural. And then it says here, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So continual feasting and feeding on the word of God help us to, to make his reality, his truth, his word more real to us than our natural world. And, and, uh, and, and of course, living in that place of forgiveness where we have a tenderness of heart, spiritual disciplines, which our pastor's been talking about, and then finally, um, uh, substituting God's word for contradictory beliefs that we have in our heads. Lord, I love you. We love you. We're so grateful to you. You're so, you're so immense, so awesome, so big. And we thank you, God, for the power of your word. We thank you for your spirit that lives within us. Help us to be big in our beliefs concerning your will and concerning your desires. Lord, we pray and believe your will be done in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our world. In Jesus' name.